Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Hobbs to my shot. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, I'm feeling uh, contemptuous and badass. Uh, yeah, I can smell the baby oil from here. All right, so the... the I'm giving uh, you the smolder from over here. I don't care how many different yeah. rock movie references I have to make to make this work. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get right into it. This, this week, uh, the Seahawks used the same coded language for DK Metcalf that they used for Russell Wilson. Uh, Pete Carroll was quoted as saying that we have no intention of trading DK Metcalf. The exact same thing that he said about Russell Wilson. So Kevin, um, after let's say, let's put, set the date. Um, the NFL draft runs this year from, from, uh, what, what are the dates? The, the 28th, the, tw- oh. the 28th to the 30th. Got it. Okay. So the 28th to the 30th is the NFL draft. Is DK Metcalf a Seattle Seahawk on April 29th? Yes. Okay, so you're saying we're not going to trade him. I don't think so. You um, don't think so? I think at 24 years old, he's young enough that he can be part of the rebuild. And I think from a franchise position, uh, trading him, like he's the most popular Seahawk at this point. And at the end of the day, the NFL is a business and getting rid of the person whose jersey people are buying, um, the person who people will buy tickets to go see, and someone who could be around post-retooling in two or three years to be a core member of an offense is, you know, I think that's a, that's a, that's a uh, tenable decision from both a roster building and a business standpoint. If you ask me the same question about Tyler Lockett, that would probably get a different answer. Yeah, I, I think... I don't think there's a, mar- a trade market for Tyler Lockett, to be honest with you. Uh, the, the crazy wide receiver money that's being thrown around actually makes his deal like not as unappetizing. But I don't think he has to be traded before the draft is the thing. I I just look at it and I see, okay, if we trade him, we accelerate $44 million onto this year's cap. That's, that's really bad. Yeah, so I don't. I just don't think we can trade him, even if we wanted to. Um, and... Like we'd have to cut, we'd have to cut players to accommodate that trade. It's just not going to work. Um, I just don't think it works for us. We'd need to get a ton to make up for that forty-four million dollars, and I just don't think that market exists. Uh, I, I, I do. Want, I did want to put that out there because I just like. Um, I think like the contract details really make it hard to trade Tyler. The yeah, I didn't realize that. that's far, a good point. As far as D, because it's it's all it's all there's no roster bonuses or anything that can can make it like more. Minimal. Um, it's all prorated bonus, seven million a year. I mean, even in the last year, the contract at age thirty-three, cutting him cost seven million dollars. It's like it's a pretty tough contract to trade. I feel like okay, Tyler though. I mean, sorry, Tyler. DK. Um, I think that I think they're holding out for two firsts. Uh, it's just a matter of time before they get it. That's where I'm at on it. Or they get like a first and a second, the number ten pick from the Jets with a second, uh, something like that. They're just holding out for the best deal possible. So basically, you think they're going to deal him for a value of two first round picks in the fifteen to twenty five range? Um, yeah, or like number ten. This like if, if we can get like a first and a second from the Jets, or yeah, like, like ten and thirty five, or two first and nineteen. Two firsts from the Packers. I think those are that's a realistic nine. That's a realistic package that they can. All, all they got to do is get to draft day and have the Packers or the Chiefs panic, right? Yeah. Um, maybe maybe Drake London and Chris Olave go really early in the first round. And now both those guys are unavailable. If the Chiefs call you and say, "Hey, we'll give you two firsts for DK," now that 
our guys are off the board. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that we talked about this last week. I mean, I gave the, you know, would you accept any of these Tyreek Hill slash Javante Adams level deals for DK? And you guys are kind of like, eh, I feel like we need more than that because he's 20. Like you said, he's 24. He's young. He has another year under contract. That's really cheap. Uh, it makes sense that the, and you can structure the extension however you want and get maybe two years really cheap out of him. If you're Green Bay, that's got to look very appealing after what you just did with Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, I, I really think that you can wait till close to draft day and, and hit someone hits the panic button. They say, oh, no, we're screwed. And we can turn it into, you know, a wide receiver that's not going to be DK, right? There's, there's you know, 12 guys in the league that are better than him. That's probably it. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, we can get a guy that maybe is 80% of DK or 75% of DK and a Tyler Linderbaum or a guy that can really help us up front because – we're looking at a roster now that has a lot of holes that need to be plugged and um, and a quarterback that can't, can't make up for those holes and a quarterback that can't do anything. So I would rather, you know, get get younger, get even better in a better situation. So if we do suck this year with Drew Locke, um, it's it's not it's not as big of a deal. It's a, it's a, OK, we'll get our quarterback next year and um, we'll push in. But we look at all these draft pieces we got last year because we were willing to, to part with some of our superstars that's kind of what i'm thinking and the packers um the packers have a type when it comes to wide receivers and they like guys that can stretch the field with speed and they like bigger wide receivers they don't take dudes that are under about 195 pounds dk's measurables fit what that team wants the other piece to consider here though is even with a big money wide receiver deal um dk metcalf remains a tradable asset so I think the Seahawks can approach this from a perspective of we don't have to pay DK or like we don't have to trade DK. We could pay him and he will still have a high market value even after he gets paid. Mm -hmm. And we could structure it with all, you know, roster bonuses so that the the deal is movable still. Uh, Yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility. Okay, let's talk about we, – we talked about the situation at quarterback. It does look like the Seahawks have, have kind of zeroed in on uh, Drew Locke, and maybe he's moved up. Maybe I said before he was plan C. Maybe now he's plan A, <laughs> and plan B is falling quarterback, and plan C is uh, Baker Mayfield if Drew Locke just looks like um, gar- gar- garbage trash can. Uh, f- fire, f- trash fire. I don't know how to say it. Yeah, that's oh. an interesting perspective because I – it's <laughs> – like they keep bringing up the same like few times that he's played well. And I just hate that scouting where it's like, well, if he plays like he's played in a grand total of like nine games, then he's a really good quarterback. And it's like, okay, but if he plays like he played in the other like 18 games, then he's a below average quarterback. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's like, yeah, it's the same thing that's happening with, with Kaepernick, right? Where, um, he, yeah, he has some great stuff on tape. He also has that last season he played where he was legitimately terrible. Right. And, uh, so like you get all these people being like, why can't he get a shot? And it's like, well, people aren't sure what he is anymore. And I think that something cool happened this week where, uh, Harbaugh had him throw at, at the The Michigan day and Michigan day captain. Right. So that that way people can see what he, he looks like because everyone's there for Aiden Hutchinson. Right. <laughs> anyway, and, and other guys, too. But but Aiden Hutchinson, really. So 
everyone's there to see a few of their their prospects anyway and so yeah give him a shot let him let people see what he what he's looking like and maybe give him a chance to be a backup somewhere or something like that i think that that would be that'd be pretty cool so yeah um the other so okay so quarterback we we're with lock do the have i i'm sure as of now you've watched much more of the draft quarterbacks than than ever before when we've talked so where do you stand on these guys now do you think do you still are we still in agreement that none of these guys are first round talents um i would say malik willis i can see the argument for him being a first round talent because of his high end ability he just worries me a lot like his ability to end up becoming nothing is super high the amount of sacks he take. Remember, the two worst things you can do on a football field is take a if you're, as a quarterback is take a sack or make a turnover. And he does those two things at like an extremely high rate, like eight point nine percent sack rate, which is crazy. He took like the most sacks out of anyone last year, and then his turnover worthy play rate is is like the highest out of any quarterback from the last six seven years or something. And like people people ragged on Justin Fields for taking a lot of sacks, uh, and. And uh, Malik Willis takes more Malik sacks with way more competition, way more sacks. He takes way more sacks. So he's out like, here he's... getting sacked by like Syracuse and Tulane and everyone's all over. Justin Fields are getting sacked by like Michigan's great defensive line they have every year. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really tough to to kind of justify. Uh, I can't I can't see. I understand why someone's going to take him in the first round. Teams need quarterbacks. But if someone's trading up into the top 10 to get him, you are just staking your entire life on a guy who really could just blow up in your face. Be worse than Darnold. How about that? Yeah. How's that for a call? He could be worse than Darnold in terms of what he does controlling the game and and all that stuff. And people hate Darnold because of the, the way he... I would say his median outcome is like a Jalen Hurts level of effectiveness. Like there's a really good chance he ends up being about there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he'll get there as quickly because he's not as polished as Hurts was coming out. So it's going to take a little while. And like, yeah, he could be Lamar Jackson. But man, there's a lot of room between what he is and what Lamar Jackson is like. He's he's what people who were too worried about Lamar Jackson thought Lamar Jackson was. And you know who else takes a lot of sacks, Kevin? Uh, Sam Howell. Yeah. Sam Howell also out here taking a million sacks. I'm I'm very worried about this whole quarterback class in general now. The more I watch, like I said, my first watch, I was like, oh, these guys are better than their reputation. And then and then I was like, I could see why you take some of these guys in the first round. And now I'm like, okay, maybe they're not quite as I'm, I've landed in the middle, right? Some people are saying that none of these guys are better than a third round grade. I don't agree with that. But some people are saying that four of these guys are going to go in the first round. And I think that would be insanity. I would not want <laughs> to take lay it this way. Um, <laughs> the reason why I wouldn't want to take Malik Willis in the first round is because I feel like I could safely take Sam Howell in the second round and have a really similar situation. Because I think Sam Howell has good size. He has a good build. He has a lot of arm talent. He can throw an accurate deep ball, but he played a ton of RPO. He was not asked to make anything beyond a first or second read very often. Um, Because he was in an RPO, he had a tendency to stare down his receiver because that's literally what the offense told you to do. And he can take off and run a little bit too often. 
Um, so like, I think the flaws in Sam Howell's game are a little similar, but he did it against better competition. And I think he played quarterback better than Malik Willis did in college. Like Sam Howell. And the other thing is Sam Howell's like 20. He's really young. And so he's has a ton of starting experience for a really young quarterback. So I think I, I'd rather have like Sam Howell or maybe Desmond Ritter, who kind of reminds me of Philip Rivers in that he has a weird throwing style that is going to turn some people off. But he's like he can play quarterback and he gets better at it every year. Desmond Ritter is is trash can Russell Wilson. Like I, I don't know, he's 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 good and he's not short, so I guess he maybe will throw over the middle some. But like he just he extends plays and like tries to do too much, and then I, I don't. He's he's all right. Yeah, I, uh, the guy that I would I rather souring on is Kenny Pickett. Pickett doesn't do a lot for me. He's his feet in the pocket the way he just like kind of loses his cool is so concerning to me. Uh, and you remember Kerry Collins? Uh-huh. When Kerry Collins' big thing was um, whenever he got pressured, he would start like fading and throw off his back foot. And mm-hmm. so every year he didn't have a plus offensive line, he would just throw an abysmal number of interceptions. And man, Kenny Pickett reminds me of that. Yeah, it's, I don't I don't. Uh... And you're doing you're cashing all that in for like zero high level potential. I I don't love pick. I don't love any of these guys. They're all like, okay. I think all five of the top quarterbacks that people talk about. So we got, um, Willis, how Ritter, Ritter, Pickett, Corral. I think they're, I think Corral is the third rounder, but I think the other four guys are second rounders. And I think Corral and strong are your third rounders. And at this point, I'd rather just go, spend a fifth rounder on Bailey Zappi and like call it a day because at least Bailey Zappi is, is, um, he knows what he is and what he isn't. He's, keenly aware and honestly he gets killed by drops in in the tape that i watch so much it makes and he completed 70 percent of his passes with guys just dropping passes all over the place like this guy's insanely accurate he can make that throw to the sideline even though it his arm talent doesn't pop off like though like you would expect an nfl arm to but he it's is kind of like gardner Minshew in that way like he's he able to make distribute the ball he, he's able to make all the throws anyway so it's like what what do you want him to do like he that he can't do he can do it all it's just He's not doing it with a with a cannon, right? He's not doing it with a an army. I would rather do bring a guy like that in to compete with Drew Locke and in the late rounds and be like, you know what? Let's give the small school kid a shot to to uh, to impress. And he's super accurate. He's he's a gamer. He plays super hard. You know, just just do that. Whatever. So basically, what I'm hearing is you would rather spend a fifth round pick on Zappy than a first round pick on any of the top five quarterbacks. Yeah, but if we're and even talking at... about spending forty one. It gets a little uh, bit more even. Uh, no, no, I would. So then I would want to just want whichever guy falls to 72 or don't go shopping. Correct. If a guy, one of those guys falls to 72. Uh, yeah, go for it. Get, get, take, take, a take whoever, take Ritter at 72. I'm into it. Like, that's fine. But if none of those guys are available, just punt it, punt the position completely or go get zappy later in the draft. And, uh, and, you know, just have them come in and compete like Seahawks style, right? Always compete. It, you know, that's your philosophy. So, yeah, that's 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 where I'm at. And I think I, the I only don't... place I'm different is uh, I would take Willis Howell or Ritter at 41 and be okay with it. Like, I, I think that's fine. But yeah, Willis I will be, understand Willis will be why gone. You, Willis will definitely be gone. Probably at least one other quarterback There's... will be gone, if not two. 
there Willis is not getting past Pittsburgh. I'll just tell you that. They are so they're so open with who they're trying to go for every year. You can just tell yeah. like you just and then there there's all those pictures of them yucking it up with uh, Willis at his pro day and stuff and it's I like, would right. love to trade back from 9 with Pittsburgh so that we get some draft picks to pick at 20 and they pick Willis. Like my favorite my favorite way that we can draft Willis is to trade our pick so that somebody else gets Willis and we get more picks. That's my favorite yeah. Willis draft scenario. Or someone trades ahead of us to get Willis. I really think the big and reason like the one Seahawks, of the offensive tackles falls to us or something. Well, there's there's rumors about player falling. We'll talk about it in a second. The oh, yeah. the um the thing about I want the thing I think the Seahawks are doing, and it's what they should do. Is they're scouting all the quarterbacks, making it seem like they're interested in the quarterbacks. We don't currently have a quarterback because we want someone ahead of us to take the quarterback, right? Yeah. If someone if someone ahead of us takes the quarterback, we're we're good to go, right? We're we're set. But if uh, if no one ahead of us takes the quarterback, then it could get a little dicey in our spot, right? We might be left with just a, I don't know, not as not as a, not as good of a a guy available. Well, every so guy that we don't think is a top 10 guy that gets picked ahead of us gives us a better selection of top 10 guys. Like that's just the way it is. And we think this is more of a top eight draft. Yeah. Right now I'm still sticking with that. Although I will say, I think for me, Trevon Walker is moving up. He is, he is rising up my, my estimation of him just premier athleticism. And he would be so good as a, uh, in our, in our new system in the inside defensive end position. I would love to see him play that, but okay. Um, let's, let's, let's do, um, let's do one more thing. Uh, oh wait, I forgot big signing this week. Uh, Penny Hart. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the penny. Everyone was waiting for. Yeah. Well, we got two pennies now. That's right. To rub together. Two, penny, two pennies for your thoughts, baby. Okay. <laughs> Bobby Wagner signs with the Rams uh, on a scale of one to disgusted. <laughs> How sick were you? I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't see that news. Oh my gosh. It's so bad. I don't, I don't understand it at all. Uh, the Seahawks are so bad at, we, okay. We couldn't get him to just take a pay cut to 10. Like you couldn't convince him of that. Like the, and that we have all, we have cap room still. I don't know what we're doing. We're so bad at free agency. It's, it's really frustrating. Like, 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 Let's use Austin Blythe as an example. Austin Blythe last year signs for the veteran minimum, and now we're paying him $4 million. He didn't even play last year. What, you're telling me he raised his value eight times not playing? Like, this, this stuff drives me nuts. We, we're we so bad at freighting. Luke Jokel for $9 million or whatever. Like We do this over and over again. I can't barely take it anymore. It's really frustrating that somehow we're the team that got the deals that we did for the two edge rushers that made everything work when we picked up Averill and Mike Bennett. And we're also the team that makes moves like these. That's it's frustrating to be both of those teams. It's just, it's insanity. It's I can't, I can barely take it. It's, it's we're like the we team. did all of our good roster building over a three year period. And then we're just not stopped. The- we're not the freaking Jaguars. We should not have to pay overpay mediocre talent to get them to come here. Like, especially Blythe, who who has relationships with the coaching staff. Like, this is Yeah, he played twelve he played twelve snaps last year. They're really good snaps. He raised his value over four times, apparently, by doing that. I don't know. I'm just, 
I'm just going to sit here and be sad for a minute. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I mean, P- Posich too, like he goes to the Browns, right? Mm-hmm. And then how much did they pay him? How much did they pay Ethan Posich? Like, did we pay more for Austin Blythe than Ethan Posich? I'm going to look this up right now, but I bet you we did. And yeah, he uh, he's getting one, one year. point one point zero four million dollars on a one year deal. I would rather have Ethan Posich for one million than than uh, Austin Blythe for four million. I'll tell you that. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I don't what are know. We doing? Austin Blythe. Uh, Austin Blythe's best years at center were better than Ethan Postage's, but I agree that four million was an overpay. Both it's, can be correct. Uh, it's an egregious overpay. Like, and I'm not saying Ethan Postage is directly better than Blythe. I just think they're close enough to equivalent that the contract should not be, you know, a, this magnitude difference. And this kind of wasted cap space, this is players that we could have, right? Like if we look at people who've signed in free agency this year, you know, okay, let's say we could have got Blythe for 1.5 if we played hardball, right? That's two and a half million that we can use to go get someone. And I don't know, I'm just sick. I'm sick of, I hate our free agency strategy sometimes. It's just very frustrating. Okay. I and mean, we said at the beginning of the offseason, we wanted this to be the season where we go get the best players. Um, we did not do that. The Seahawks did not get the top of the position players anywhere it's all it's been all the middle class of free agency it's just what we always do it's just a bunch of guys who are who are all right you know justin coleman he's been down and chenna nuosu who has is one of those interesting guys where he's been scheduled for a breakout year for two years running so either we will get the breakout year or he's the guy who never has a breakout year and i don't mind taking flyers on those kinds of guys but when that's the high end of your signing like yeah like those are the things that are frustrating yeah edge was expensive this offseason but i mean we could have afforded it i don't you know we gotta wait till after the draft and maybe there's some late moves that will kind of bring everything into focus but right now our offseason strategy has us aiming for like seven wins in my opinion and that's just frustrating. It's it's frustrating. I mean, I know that the team would probably tell you something different, but that's so I see it. The, the no tackles thing is just absurd. The fact that we have not brought in an offensive tackle yet. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. I mean, I understand it, if we think that Stone Forsyth is ready to play left tackle, like whether I agree with it or not, I understand. But then we should be bringing in a competent swing tackle and a uh, someone who can hold down the right tackle like can hold down that position well we have 16 million dollars in cap space and we can cut jason myers to to sign all our rookies so like there's no reason that we shouldn't be bringing in some some kind of competent tackle play it's there's the only reason is that the seahawks are i don't know i don't want to say giving up on this year but they it's a bottle year they're not trying to they're trying to win but not really trying to win i mean we saw what what um Pete can do with kind of a depleted roster. We won the division at seven and nine and, and won a playoff game, right? The, the you, you can, you can do okay with a depleted roster still with the Pete Carroll style of like controlling the clock, running the ball, playing good defense that can still work. And that was, you know, pre, even pre Legion of boom era, right? Like there, there was, that was not the, the Legion of boom defense. So let me, put, let me ask you a question. Okay. Um, taking a look at what we have and taking a look at the tackle still on the market, are we tipping our hand that we're drafting a tackle high? I think 
if we don't, it'd be insanity. But I, there are the thing is, you just bring in the corpse of Jason Peters to compete at left tackle. Like that's oh, that's an okay thing to do, and it's cheap. It's like three to five million dollars, right? And he was pretty good last year for the Bears, and it, it gives you a safety net if Stone Forsyth is is not ready. And at right tackle, you know, there's still guys just walking around that you can get for eight or so million dollars. We have fifteen million dollars in cap room. I don't understand what we're waiting for. I mean, yeah. I guess it could be DK extension. This is our DK extension money. And once that situation is resolved, then maybe that cap space goes away or is changed in some significant way. You know, it'd be kind of interesting. And this actually does make a little bit of sense. Um, you know who keeps getting talked about as being uh, rumored to be on the market post-draft? Who? Makai Becton. Oh, yeah, I've heard that as well. What kind I've of draft pick ge- would you deal for Makai Becton? Uh, probably like it's our second next year. Not even thinking about it. That's but, definitely how I feel. I don't feel like there's a reason for his stock to have dropped that much. Um, I, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't give up a first rounder just because our first rounder could be really good. Maybe the Broncos' first rounder <laughs> be willing to give up. But like, I don't understand. He was not horrible last year. Right, well, two he years was, ago, he was just injured last year. Yeah, and he was. I don't understand why it feels like the Jets have just completely moved on from him. But it does feel that way. Yeah. And so if they end up getting like they're super excited about Ikekwanu or whatever, if they made that move, I would be very happy to give up, you know, I don't know. I would even give up like 41 or 40 for him. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. That's perfectly reasonable. Because that's a guy who could play right tackle. What tackles available at 41 that Uh, that we could draft? uh, Well, Abraham Lucas. Lucas, right? So would you rather Becton or Lucas? Becton. I think so too. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes sense to me. Okay. Let's, we talked about DK. We talked about quarterbacks. Um, all right. We're ready for seven round mock. Here we go. And this one, we're going to trade Kevin, but I will not allow us to do, to offer a trade that has less than a 40% chance of being accepted. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of my, my line uh, here. So uh, here we go. We're going to start the draft. We're, we're going to, we're not going to trade up. Oh, I forgot. I said there was a rumor. There's a rumor that, that Thibodeau might get picked outside the top 10. I'll tell you this. That's there's insane. not a chance. In, there's not a chance in hell. He's getting past us at nine. Okay. If he gets past us at nine, I think that I will call Pete Carroll. I'll find, I'll like use detective skills to get his phone number and I will call him up and be like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. I'll be because very the, upset about that. There's, there's not a chance in, in hell that, that we let that happen. Okay. Here we go. Start the draft. Okay, for this draft, I used instead of using PFS board, I leaned it all the way to public board because I feel like the, you know, the wisdom of the masses kind of thing. I think that the public board is pretty, pretty good. People are drafting for their own teams mostly, right? So public board is pretty strong. So here we go. We're picking at nine. Coming off the board, Hutchinson, Hamilton, Kwanwu, Stingley, uh, Walker, Neal, Thibodeau at seven, Gardner at eight. So we're left with Charles Cross if we want to go with a top nine guy. Now let's talk about Kyle Hamilton at two. Um, uh, Kevin, Kyle Hamilton has taken hit after hit after hit in the in the media. He's, his pro day did not go well. Um, his board position is all over the place, depending on who you talk to. Anywhere from two to he's not getting past the Eagles at 15 <laughs> two, yeah. two to 15, two to 15 and anywhere in between. Uh, where do you see Hamilton going right now? So Kyle Hamilton, I want to, the only thing I would say is people talk about his athletic testing numbers, not being that good, except it was just his 40 time. And so it's like, okay, cool. He doesn't have plus straight line speed. I still think he's going to end up being 
a top 10 pick for somebody. I think that he would make a lot of sense for the Lions. Um, he's a guy you can bring in who has like a lot of leadership. But I think if the Lions ended up passing on him, then I think it's either Texans the- at three. Texans would be a great pick for him, too. Um, the other one I was thinking is I don't think he would get past Washington at 11. Yeah, Jets at 10 or Washington at 11. Would because be he could come in and take Landon, Wal- Landon Collins' vacated spot and immediately mm-hmm. be a really plus player there. Whatever. It's just like Derwin James. Derwin James slipped for no reason. People just nitpicked the hell out of him. And then he comes into the league. And yeah, he got hurt. But he is the best safety in the league, one of the, one of the five best safeties in the league, however you want to say it. Um, we were praying that he would fall one more spot to us. I mean, still salty, still, still a little sad that it was just one more spot, but yeah, that's, that's us. So can we got, okay. We got three people that want to trade up with us. We got the Texans at 13, the Ravens at 14 and the Packers at 22. We have cross as our top player on the board. If we trade down, we're probably looking at someone like a, like a Wyatt or a Davis or uh, um, a penning, maybe maybe a Jermaine Johnson. So do you want to do you want to trade down a few spots and try to pick up some extra draft capital? Maybe like ask the Texans for thirteen and thirty-seven. Nope, that's seven. Uh, we can get thirteen, sixty-eight, and eighty. Actually, uh, so, I would either want that trade because I'm not slipping down too much and can still get someone I perceive as being a top fifteen talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but my biggest temptation here would be to take Charles Cross because starting left tackles usually go high in the draft and they're not something you can always get. I kind of want to see what happens if we trade down because I do think that there's enough edge talent here or interior uh, front front defensive line talent. Like we could get one of Davis or we could get um, Johnson, you know, the, all the, and I'd be happy with those players and picking up 68 and 80 does feel like pretty, pretty solid value. I also so, think we're going to have two first round picks next year and there's a chance we could get a tackle there too. So I'm okay yeah. with that. All right, so we, we're going to offer this trade. Here we go. So we're moving down to 13. The They traded up to get cross. Uh, London, Willis, Johnson going for us. Willis goes to the Commanders. <laughs> Love it. So top players left on the board, Kevin. We got McDuffie, Karloftis, Wilson, Devin Lloyd, Jamison Williams. We got Wyatt. We got Davis, Olave, Penning. We, could, we have seven teams trying to trade up with us. The Chargers at 17, the Steelers at 20, the Patriots at 21, uh, the Chiefs at 29. These are too far. I, I wouldn't. I would 29, 32, 35, 37. No, thanks. 17 or 20. I would be happy to trade back to because um, every player you just named outside of maybe Jamison Williams, I would consider to be pretty equivalent for me. Okay. Well, the Chargers don't have a second round pick, so that going down to 17 is tough, but we could do um, 25. Uh, 52 and 130 20 52 and 138 for 13 because uh, you said you said Jermaine Johnson's off the board already yeah he came off at 12 right ahead yeah of us. that's the guy that I would have picked up in this position otherwise because the the only Got guy it. that's calling to me right now is Jamison Williams um out of the players available and I think I could get a fairly equivalent player that I'm happy with at 20 all right so let's do 20 52 and 138. Hey, wait, let's see if we can get it go move up from 80 from like 109 to 84. Yeah, there we go. So I, I gave him 13 and 109 and we're getting 20, 52 and let me see if I can give him 152. Nope, I cannot. Oh, wait, let me throw. There we go. All right. I'm, 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 kinda, I'm throwing 229 and That's 152. Because so we don't want to draft 70 players. We just want to draft a bunch of players in like day two. 
So we're going giving them 13, 152, and 229, and they get we get 20, 52, and 82. Yep. So so we're giving them some late, late picks. They, of course, accepted immediately. Let's see. They moved up to get Garrett Wilson. Okay. Interesting. I would never – I would not think the Steelers would do that. <laughs> I mean, a good Juju Smith-Schuster replacement. Uh, okay. Yeah, I agree. That, so they're coming off the board. Lloyd, Davis, McDuffie, Olave, Linderbaum, and Penning came off the board. So now Linderbaum we're at tw- we're at 20. Uh, Karloftis is still available, and it's starting to feel tempting. Uh, this is a quite the, the tumble for him, and even though he's not a, a perfect uh, fit, I mean, he's he's kind of like a A-minus at everything, B-plus at everything kind of guy that we really could ask him to do a bunch of different stuff. We got Raymond, Jamison Williams. We got Wyatt still, who I like. Uh, Dean, uh, I don't think there's anyone else I want to take here as I scroll down. I don't want Burks. I don't want Zion Johnson. Yeah. Uh, I like Jamison Williams again. I just don't think the Seahawks would pick a wide receiver right here. No, I think it's between Karloftis, Raymond and Wyatt. I think those are the three guys that, that stick out to me. So I would agree. And uh, so Karloftis, I worry about the fit on a three, four front because he's got short arms. He has a power game. When we lined up over guards, he had a little bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, then it's down to what Wyatt and Raymond. Yeah, I'm taking Bernard like, Raymond. Um, he I hasn't like been Wyatt. playing off at the tackle for that long. And uh, I know he's a little bit of an older prospect, but he hasn't been playing off as a tackle for very long. He looks really good. And his athletic scores are a, what the Seahawks covet and B in Tell me that he could play a really good left tackle. Yeah, well, let's talk about Wyatt for a second, because I think this guy, his athletic skills for his size are are kind of plus absurd. Yeah, like <laughs> okay. the only reason he has to get talked about more is because Jordan Davis was more of a freak. Yeah, he's 6'3", 315, 97th percentile 40-yard dash, 93rd percentile 10-yard split. The arms aren't super long, um, but this guy is like a as a as a DE in a 3-4 front, as a 3-tech kind of guy, is just going to blow people up over and over i kind of so here's my thought Mm. i feel Mm. like we have a good chance and i'd even be willing now that we got a few more assets to trade up from 40 i think we could still get travis jones later i don't think there's a left tackle prospect that compares to bernard raymond left that's my tiebreaker okay yeah, I mean, two years but ago. If you want Wyatt, I'm okay with that. I think he's a two years ago. Player. Raymond was playing tight end, and he's super polished as a blocker for a guy who was playing tight end two years ago. He kind of reminds me of Okung that way. Where and he's a rest- like a tight end. You know what? He's a wrestler, and I know the Seahawks love crap like that, where it's like this guy's a competing. He was he won he won a conference championship in wrestling. All right, we're picking Bernard Raymond. Let's do it. All right, I'm not I'm not gonna trade up. I'm gonna let us go late down to forty because I think that forty is a good spot like for us. So guys that came off the board that I think we might have been interested, uh, Wyatt came off at 22, Karloftis came off at 21 to the Patriots, of course, because, of course, (laughs) Um, Ojabo, Travis Jones came off at 31, Uh, Pickett came off at 32, Howell at 34, Uh, Ebikiti at 37, Daxton Hill at 39, Brisker at 38. I, like I know Daxon you love Hill that. A lot. I like Daxon Hill a lot as well. Okay, so we're at 40 and 41. We got our back-to-back picks. Our boy Jalen Petre's here. Our boy Nick Benito, Leo Chanel. These are all guys we've mocked quite a bit. We got the quarterbacks, Ritter, Corral. Uh, you got 
Muma, Drake Jackson, Abraham Lucas, Kenneth Walker III, Logan Hall, Christian Harris. And not only that, but the phone is blowing up, Kevin. Seven teams want to trade up. 43, 45, 47, 51. Um, do you want to – Do you want to? we have we have 41. We're only going to lose out on one guy. Do you want to just trade back to 43 and see what we can get? So here's my thought. Out of everybody who's available in this spot, Jalen Petrie is the only one who has a skill set that I think – we can't get if we trade back. Yeah, so maybe get him and then get and him then trade see 41. if people want to trade forty one. Yeah, okay, let's do it. We'll draft Petre. Yeah, seven teams still want to come up here to forty one. It's right. not the same teams though. Interesting. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so Atlanta still wants to come up, but they won't give us much to come up. Let's see what the let's see what the Ravens will give us. They'll give us a uh, hundred and a hundred and thirty nine um, from forty. Come up from forty five. How about can we deal our pick in the one fifties, like either one fifty two or one fifty three, and uh, move up from one thirty nine to like to, for like a third round pick or something? We can get a hundred and a hundred and ten if we throw in one fifty three, so we'd have forty five, a hundred and a hundred and ten. That's so cool then we'd me. have we'd have one hundred nine, one one ten, and one eleven. Sounds good. No, one ten. Okay, here we go. All right. We'll resume the draft. Okay, coming off the board, uh, Kenyon Green, Matt Corral. Oh, Chanel came off the board. That's a little depressing. So, so far we've taken uh, Raymond and Petre. So I think Benito is kind of the the obvious choice here. Um, Sky Moore is available as a kind of the guy who uh, ADP is the highest people like him. We could get Brees Hall. Um, I want to plead a case for Drake Jackson. Okay, go ahead. So Drake Jackson, have you gotten a chance to watch much of him? Yes. So my thought on Drake Jackson is I understand, like, I know what Nick Benito is. And what Nick Benito is and will be is a two-point stance outside designated pass rusher who can not embarrass himself at strong, at strong side linebacker. Um, I feel like Drake Jackson's ceiling is much higher. He's 20 years old. Um, he lacks a counter to power blocking and can get stonewalled at times, but he's able to drop into coverage. He has pass breakups and interceptions on his record. He's good in that hybrid edge role. Um, he has extremely good length and movement. He has a uh, first round ability to bend the edge. He's mm-hmm. just really raw. Okay. Um, pa- pass rush win rates this year's draft class. Engabare, 40%, Hutchinson, 33%, Benito, 33%, Ebikiti, 32%, Thibodeau, 30%, Karloftis, 29%, Jackson, 27%. This guy, I think Benito is getting Benito's PFF grade on pass rush, pass rush is 94. That's higher than Nick and Joey Bosa. Um, his pressure rate on third downs is like un, un, unreal. I just this this guy has um the most pressures in the Big 12 since 2020. I the Seahawks do care about production and Benito has it. I don't get, I don't get why people are, are so down on this guy. He's a good football player. <laughs> like it's just, I mean, does he, he doesn't have eye popping physical traits, right? Like if I, I don't, I haven't looked at his Mac mock draftable circle. So maybe that's, that's what I'm missing. But like, even this is good. 88th percentile, 39 shuttle, 76th for the three cone. He's just small. Yeah. He's so, just, he's limited in what he can do. Like he has a limited role. He's good at that role. Like, it's not that I don't like Benito. I think Benito's a good pick here, too. I just like Drake Jackson more. What if we, 
okay, here's the thing. We t- kind of took the untapped potential guy in free agency, right? Didn't yeah. we? No, so, so like, do you want to do that twice or would you rather have the guy who's more, feels like more of a sure thing? If you feel really strongly about Nick Benito, I would be okay with that. If we're two scouts sitting in a room, I don't dislike Nick Benito enough to like veto his draft. And okay. we, I talked I wanna... us through Raymond before, so I'm cool with going Benito here. I'm, I'm like, a, I want to be on the Nick Benito corner. <laughs> oh, here's the thing. Be... <laughs> Nick Benito will probably get between six and 10 sacks a season. Just like being a straight uh, speed rusher. And that is like having him to flush from the outside. If we can get any interior pass rush whatsoever is really dangerous. Like okay, it's, we're picking, it's a good fit. We're picking again at 52 players who might have interested us that came off the board. Tyler Smith, Brees Hall, Logan Hall. Players that could interest us is now at 52. This is getting interesting, Kevin. Desmond Ritter still on the board at 52. Ooh. But also, Muma and Abraham Lucas and Kenneth Walker. Oh. <laughs> I know. This is. I'm like, ooh, Muma. Mm. Ooh, Abraham Lucas. Ooh, Kenneth Walker. These are, these are good football. So we talked about this before. Um, and Kevin and I are in agreement on this. This draft is it's the there's no quarterbacks so that takes some of the that's going to take some of the shine off of it a little bit because yep. quarterback this is a quarterbacks league but in terms of how deep the talent pool is there are like 75 guys who kind of rule in this draft yeah i would say and there's I, like 70 top 50 players but there's only like eight top 10 players and 15 top 20 players it's a it's a weird distribution yeah there's just so many guys who are like this guy's a second round guy this guy's this guy rules um also, Kevin Sky Moore is still on the board, which is someone who I think at at fifty. What are we at? Fifty two. You have to like. That's a really big value think, pick. You have to think that's a crazy value. I mean, Sky Moore was really good last year. Um, and you know that the team drafted a lot, drafted him a lot, or uh, uh, scouted him a lot when they were scouting Dwayne Eskridge. Oh, for sure. Um, this guy is the is even better than Dwayne. We could get Dwayne Eskridge double down. Let's do it twice. Okay, Kevin, this is a tough pick. Um, give me, give me your, uh, your, your top two. Who, who, who are you leaning for here? And it, there's no one deeper, right? Like you don't want Darian Kennard or like uh, here. No, I, th- I think I want, I mean, the only other person, I think George Pickens and Brees Hall are both on here, right? Brees Hall, went at, Brees Hall went at 49 actually. Okay. Um, Brees Hall is my number one running back. Um, George Pickens is interesting here as he's, as he was. He, Pickens went at thirty five. Okay, so then uh, okay, then I'm looking at Abraham Lucas. I know starting two offensive two rookie offensive tackles, and also like we're we're basically plugging both tackle spots. Um, which if the team believes in either of the guys they have right now would be problematic, but I don't care because I don't necessarily fully believe in it. I like Stone Forsythe, but I don't want to count on him. And if you have three good offensive tackles, that means you have two good offensive tackles in a trade chip. So uh, Abraham Lucas catches my interest big time here. Uh, I just think that he's a really stable quality right tackle. Mm-hmm. And the other one would be Sky Moore. Uh, because I feel like Sky Moore does a lot of the same things that uh, Tyler Lockett does. And that's a role that we're probably going to have to be filling um, if for no other reason than Tyler Lockett's ability to stay healthy is extremely questionable. Um, I want to give a little plug to Chad Muma here. If there's a coverage few, linebacker, 
there's a future kind of he's good in the run game too. His night his run defense grade is 91.1%. His biggest problem is that he has trouble finishing tackles and it's because of yep. his size. Uh and if you know you get him in here, we're a team that teaches tackling really well. It could be like a real nice fit for us. He isn't the profile of linebacker that we usually go for. Um we like the uh the thicker athletes, as noted by Jordan Brooks. Yep. He's he, that, that boy thick, but but uh, I just Chad Muma is is extremely good, and I'm gonna I'm not gonna like stump for him like we have to take him. I agree with you, Lucas. I would love Kenneth Walker here as well. I know that people like to rag on us for how much assets we put towards running back, but he has an an all around uh, skill set that is just tough to tough to match. He he led the nation in yards after contact last year. He yet led the nation in missed tackles forced. He ran in a zone. A power scheme last year which is our scheme so there will not be a big adjustment um he can't catch the ball but i don't think that matters because we can just have penny do that his pass blocking isn't ideal but also like it isn't so bad that you can't play him i mean this guy just this guy can run man he is so good 4.46 yards after contact per attempt there are just two dudes in this draft third. class that i think can come in and immediately be difference making running backs on a team as much as a running back can be a difference maker and it's Brees hall and kenneth walker like they're my one A one B, and then I do think there is a sizable split down to the next year. There's a, there's a lot of good running backs in this draft though. Too. There are. So do, you, do you would you want to back up uh, the Benito pick with Drake Jackson here and just go double down, make sure Edge is a strength, or do you? What no. I would I think I would go with Lucas because I think Lucas is the rare day two tackle that can come in and be a really like solid starter because right. he's a right tackle only, which pushes him down even though it really shouldn't. Okay, we went Lucas. Then the next pick after us, Green Bay went <laughs> Desmond Ritter. <laughs> All right, that's I think that's, well. <laughs> I think that, that that'll never happen. But I just thought that was hilarious. Uh, Skymore went at fifty-five to Arizona. Um, other players we might have been interested in: Petit Frere went at sixty-two. Kenneth Walker went at sixty-three. Drake Jackson went at sixty-four. Uh, and Gabari went at sixty-five. He's pr- he's a pretty good, I think, edge prospect. Muma went at sixty-seven. And we're back on the clock at 68. <laughs> womp, womp. Uh, all right. So we do, we do, we do kind of need a linebacker at this point. Um, it would have been nice to get Muma. We got Asamoa. We got Anderson, Darian Beavers, Brandon Smith, Channing Tindall. I like all of these guys. I don't know if I like any of them that much here in particular. Actually, you know what? This might be a good spot for that. Um, we got Dylan Parham, the guard. We've got Carson Strong, Kellen Deesh. Uh, Damian Pierce, Khalil Shakir, Perrion Winfrey, the d- interior defender out of Oklahoma. Yeah, bl- bl- which, uh, penetrating three tech. Yeah, yeah, he's he would be a good guy to put in the in the middle of our Daniel Falele, a tackle that we probably would have been interested in here, but he's he's uh, very large. He's a uh, just yes, large he, human. He's so big. Uh, I think this is about it. I mean, there's you can get Dalvin Cook's brother. <laughs> Uh, I actually think James Cook is maybe the best pass catching back in this draft. Um, I think he's really good, but he's he's a guy that's a pure timeshare guy. Uh, Fedarian Mathis is a nice two gapper that we could we could pick up maybe on our next pick. Okay, yeah. let's let's go linebacker here. I think I think okay. the linebackers. If we're going linebacker, so I want Darian Beavers, and I will pound the table for this guy over Asamoah, Anderson, and Smith. These yep. are all guys that are much higher up other people's draft boards. So, what's your Darian Beavers love? Tell, okay, tell me about him. So, the thing I like about Darian Beavers most is. Um, First of all, I think he is a great fit for a Seahawks linebacker. He's a big dude. Like, um, he's 6'4", 237. Um, he's got 32-inch arms. 
So his measurables are along the lines of what we like, and he moves really well. Like his lateral quickness and burst is um, really good at the position. Uh, the He's tough. He's physical. He's a great like downhill attacker in the run game. He understands zone concepts. Um, and uh, he can cover in man, but his technique isn't there. We usually want our linebackers to be uh, good zone droppers. And we can teach them man technique. So I feel like in that way, he's a fit for what we want. I just feel like he can come in and putting him and Jordan Brooks in the middle of the defense. I'm not really sure how much drop off we see. And that says something to me. I think, okay, here's the thing. The other guys, Asamoa, uh, Smith, uh, Channing Tindall, they're all like pretty slight guys. They're all, yeah, they're, they're more all like the safety ish. They're all on the small end. They're coverage, coverage style guys or speed guys. Um, I want to talk about Troy Anderson. Have you done any Troy Anderson research? Troy Anderson, the Montana State quarterback slash running back slash linebacker slash punter. Yes. Yes, I have. It's, it's, this guy's nuts. <laughs> this guy is such a Seahawks guy. It's like insane to me. First of all, he converted from yeah running back slash quarterback slash punter. And in his season as linebacker, <laughs> he got 67 run stops. Which is like insanity. <laughs> it, yeah, it was first. It was second in the nation. Uh, I don't under. I don't understand uh, this guy. He's insane. He's such a Seahawks kind of prospect guy that I. I kind of want to. I kind of want to just pick him because it's hilarious. I mean, that's again but, chasing upside. And I feel like if we're in a situation like we are, where like I mean, we have enough holes on the roster that we can just add talent. Trey Anderson could end up being a very talented player. Um, Troy Ander- uh, Darian Beavers is probably a safer pick for what he'll end up being. And I really like what he is, but I like Troy Anderson a lot. It, and then I think too, is the safe guy might already be on the roster. I think Beavers is the, is the, yeah, if you want just a guy who's going to come in and play, he's the guy, but the safe guy might already be on the roster, right? That's yeah, uh, Jordan that's Brooks. Eric's er, no, the Eric's, Eric's favorite player. Cody Barton. <laughs> Cody Barton is like the safe number. We have a guy that gives us a floor already. You know, I think Barton's floor is pretty, it's a 60 PFF grade. It's like a a slightly above average play, right? Yeah, I feel like Beavers is a lot better than that, but I understand what you're saying. Because we have that, we can take a stab at a guy who could be plus. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna. I'm just gonna draft Troy Anderson, but just understand this could have been either guy reasonably. Okay, in between us, Tyndall and Smith went in between, and so did Tariq Woolen. Um, top guys on the board according to this. You know, we still got we still got Beavers. We could take him still. Uh, We could double down on linebacker, which might not be a bad idea. Kirby Joseph's available, the Illinois safety. I'm really long. He's got the longest arms. I feel like, uh, have you, have you <laughs> seen his, everyone just talks about how long this guy's arms are, but, uh, he's, he's more of like a playmaker. I don't feel like he sees the field super well. Uh, Josh Pascal, yeah, the edge edge defender. Um, he had like a really, he's a really good run stopper. Uh, I feel Damian. like he's a really good fit as a, um, as a edge in a three, four, uh, like he could play deep, like four, I in a three, four defense um, lined up mm-hmm. over the tackle. I feel like he has the physicality and strength to play that role. He's a good fit that yeah. way. He'd be on good first down and Perry and Winfrey still here. If we want to go that direction, we could go Daniel Falele and just, just really go in on tackle, Kevin. Go go nuts. For I tackles. don't really like Daniel Falele that much as a prospect. Um I, I, I don't I think like he has him. the movement ability. I like him just because I think I think the prototype's there. You know what I mean? With the the guy the Eagles 
developed. I think it's just like we've seen this work already. Otherwise, I would be less confident. Oh, we could draft Carson Strong also. Oh, Jalen Tolbert is here, Kevin. The uh, Tolbert. Jalen uh, Tolbert, the uh, yeah. South Alabama wide receiver. Correct. Um, really, pretty, really, pretty fast. Um, his age is not encouraging, though. Uh, my favorite thing about him is uh, he was listed at six three. Um, according to South Alabama, and like he was marketed as a sixty receiver, and because he was playing against Conference USA or Sun Belt Conference USA, um, everyone There's thought no he was there like, is no Conference USA anymore, isn't it? American Athletic Conference? No, now? the American Athletic is the old Big East. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. No, the CUSA is the CUSA, but the fact that you think they don't exist tells you everything you know about the CUSA. <laughs> um, but He's actually, like six one, he was six one. Yeah, like like that's two <laughs> inches. This was not a little lie where he was like six two and a fourth, and they called him six three. This dude was nowhere near six three, which is just funny I, to me. I will say he pl- he played like his best games against the best competition. Yeah, like when he played against Tennessee, his Tennessee tape is like the best tape, and that that is really encouraging to me that he could be like a a really good wide receiver. Uh, um, is I think John Mechie's still on the board too, right? Uh, whip, um, Wide receiver out of Alabama. Yes. That's a guy who's interesting because he dropped because of a leg injury. Yep. Alec Pierce is also available, the Cincinnati wide receiver. Um, um, I would be interested right here. I would narrow it down to uh, Darian Beavers, uh, Josh Pascal, or uh, John Mechie. I think all three of them uh provide things that we could use because uh Troy Anderson to me is more of like a outside linebacker slash uh three four edge and Darian Beavers to me is an inside linebacker. Um we pick again pretty soon at 80 so let's try to figure out who's most likely to be available. There's still a little depth at linebacker with Asamoah available. We're strategizing now. Now we're in the war room baby. Uh so so I say we go I and say Mech we go a little bit of a later prospect and there's a couple other go, receivers too. We go like win free and then either hopefully Mechie or uh, Beavers will be there at, at 80 for us in his picks. Is win free as a pure penetrating three tech? So you see him as playing like a, a defensive end in the three four? Yeah, 100%. And basically he just becomes Puna's backup. Yeah, or he just plays like he plays. Okay. He, so He's a similar Winfrey, player to Puna Ford. I'm okay with that. Winfrey gets moved in the run game, right? Like that's the problem with well, him. Well, because so, he had to play zero tech nose. That's just not what he is. Yeah. And so if you move him over to three tech, I think he, he gets moved less, first of all. And he wins he wins a lot at the in the pass rush. 13.7% pass rush win rate. Like this guy can really win in the passing game. So you play him on second and third downs at three tech and you know. Well, and we got him and Benito. Outwards. So we have somebody who can push the pocket from the from the inside and uh Benito who are uh, gives more like speed rush from the outside. Aren't That's they on the same thing. team too? They yeah, are both Oklahoma players. That's we're literally just picking up <laughs> Oklahoma's ideal pass rush situation from last year. All right, coming off the board in between here, we've got uh, Kirby Joseph, uh, David Bell, Calvin Austin, Sean Ryan, Alec Pierce, Jalen Tolbert, Daniel Falele. This leaves us with we could pick Beavers or Mitchie. <laughs> we could still pick both. We pick again in four picks, so we can strategize again. Asamoah is still on the board, so we could kick the linebacker down the down the road one more time uh picking a wide receiver here uh we also could take damian pierce as the top running back on the board dylan parham's available kevin the guard from memphis i like dylan parham um Very the athletic. thing is i think he makes the most sense as a center and i don't think that like and but he hasn't played it mm-hmm. so he's a bit of a project and when it comes to offensive line projects we haven't done a great job with that so I would yeah. almost directly rather have uh, 
uh, Zach Tom out of Wake Forest or Luke Fortner out of Kentucky as two guys who've played center. Okay. Um, I, I can dig it. So right here, I would say Mechie. Uh, yeah, I'd say Mechie or Pierce. Pierce might be kind of nice because he's a guy who can uh, he can pass block. He's God, good at catching the ball, and he's a good interior runner. He's just projection because he didn't touch the ball very much. Like he had what a hundred rushing attempts last year. Yeah, uh, five point seven yards per rush, thirteen touchdowns. He had nineteen receptions on nineteen targets. Very soft hands. Does a good job in the passing game, but just you know they had other options, so he just didn't you know wasn't out there all the time. Uh, Ninety two PFF grade last year, which is pretty nutty. Um, okay, let's go with Pierce. I'm into it. And then we're back on the board and we can get, um, Beavers or Mechie again. We don't pick for a long time. So this time I think we should make a choice. I think that who's, what's our next pick? A hundred. And we're at 84. I think next pick, we're going to pick Zach Tom. I already know (laughs) because of us talking before we have three picks left, a hundred, 109 and 110. I do feel like, yeah, we're taking the center with that pick at a hundred. It'll be, I. We're going Tom Zappy and someone else. It's it's uh it's just a matter of time. I think we okay. go Beavers here. Get get the linebacker. Yeah, that's good. I'm good with that because th- I think that's a, a good position yeah. to be strong in. Now we're now we're like really strong in the front seven too. We've we've bolstered the front seven quite a bit. Um okay, at a hundred, Killen Deesh, Donovan West, Zach Tom, Luke Fortner. Yeah, we're picking a center. It's, here. it's Zach Tom. And I just Kevin I think he's a really good player. Zach Tom. And then at 109, we're going Zappy, and at 110, okay, we got okay. Let's see. We, so positions we've we've filled kind of. Okay, we've got so many guys. <laughs> so we've drafted tackle, corner, uh, slot corner, edge, tackle, linebacker, defensive interior, halfback, linebacker, center quarterback i got a guy okay let's hear it i'm ready um out of sam houston state cornerback zion mccollum did you get a chance to see any of that dude no i'm not okay so zion mccollum i initially jumped out to me because his athletic testing numbers like okay so he's six to 200 pounds he's uh got 30 and three quarter inch arms he ran a four three three he had almost a 40 inch vertical and he had a six four eight three cone. Um, like his athleticism is super plus. He's got good size and solid length. Um, he moves really well. He just doesn't have any press technique, but he uses his size and length really well in um, zone. And he's really good at using the sideline as an extra defender or like pushing people back into help defenders. Um, he does have really good ball skills too. Like uh, he had uh, a good number of picks in college. So I think that Zion McCollum is a guy that's really interesting. I would like to get like Alante Taylor, a Caleb Evans, uh, Zion McCollum. I want to get an outside corner. Okay. I was going to stump for Isaiah likely mostly because when you read his scouting reports, it's just funny. Cause it'll say like likely, likely a high achiever on and off the field, you know, and it's <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, the, the, the puns sense. are definitely there, but I, I just, I also just think he's good. Like, I he's like, really good uh, running after the catch. Like he, like yeah. he's a tight end that can super move in the open field. I agree. But I'm, I'm into getting an outside corner. Uh, 
prospect here. If we hadn't taken a tackle or a bunch of tackles already, I would say Kellen Deesh would be like a really good pick right here, especially from a value standpoint. Great athletic profile. Um, looks like a Seahawks player. Um, but yeah, let's give him a call. Call it a day. All right, now let's see. Let's see what grade PFF gives us, Kevin. This is the most exciting part of it. We got a draft. quarterback. We picked a quarterback. That pick's probably going to get an A plus, but we'll see. There's a hundred. What I like about what we did is there's a hundred pick, twenty picks left in the draft, and we have none of them. But we already picked like nine guys. Yeah, that's that's how you know we did a good job. <laughs> yeah, we we didn't. We're not like the Seahawks like, trying to pick up a seventh, an extra round, seventh round, round pick by trading next year's six. Don't don't care about that. Who cares about the seventh round? Don't need it. Um, I don't need Luke Tenuta or Kalen Barnes. Um, okay. I just read a couple of guys who got picked in the seventh round there. That was not a direct shot. Raymond, they, <laughs> Raymond pick a Petre, a Benito, a Abraham Lucas, B plus Troy Anderson, B plus Winfrey C Pierce C Beavers B Tom C minus Zappy C plus and McCollum a minus give us a total graph draft grade of an A. All right, we did it. Um, man, this is like the longest episode we've ever done. <laughs> there are many ways to support. I'm not even going to read the names today. Sorry in advance to the people who like that. Uh, there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. Best way to do it, patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. $1.24 a month. Join the Discord. Hang out. Do Wordle. Uh, what are we doing? Wordle, Framed, Hurdle. Uh, do do your Doing a lot slash, of goals. Do your, do your, do your, uh, do your daily uh, uh, games and post your results. We're all getting uh, ch- old. Ch- we have to do those things to make sure that we don't start losing our mental faculties. Chat chat about this chat about the Seahawks. It's a nice depression. Uh it's, Seahawks has been tough this year. Uh I'm sure Mariners talk against Nathan's wishes will be starting soon. <laughs> let me know when the magic <laughs> let me know when the magic number is one. Then I will I will invest all my my energy into the Seahawks. All right. Let's uh, movie club. Movie club today is crank. <laughs> uh, and I need to get my adrenaline going to talk about this movie. So okay. Kevin, you just watched crank this week. Like, give me, give me a rundown. What, what you, what you love about crank. All right. So crank is a movie that um, I kind of half caught on TV a couple of times. And so I actually sat down and gave it a dedicated watch because it looked dumb and fun. And I like fun, dumb movies. Uh, the first thing to know about this movie is it's, it's a clear Jason Statham vehicle. Um, and those are a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, generally, if Jason Statham is the main actor in a movie, either it is a movie where he's asked to do a lot of acting and it is a bad movie, or it is a movie where he is basically the point of view character in a video game, and then it's usually a pretty good movie. And this is one of those. He gets the name Chev Chelios, which is a great name <laughs> for a porn character. Um, I think it's a it's a classic like you know it's a classic action movie name like John Matrix you know or, or Dirk whatever. Diggler. Yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Which name sounds more made up, Chev Chelios or Dirk Diggler? The answer is it's tied. That, I mean, any <laughs> any cinematic convention you could make like not oh like you know like this movie's so over edited and frenetic and like just like grimy. And... You know, this movie walked so that um, Harcourt Henry could run. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Like if you like Hardcore Henry or you like Shoot 'Em Up or any of those, this is a fun experience. Like it's um, the plot is barely there. Uh, basically, uh, Jason Statham wakes up. Uh, he's watching, I think, a DVD or a VHS tape. No, it's um, a DVD. It's a DVD. a DVD. OK, he's watching a DVD of uh, the people who poisoned him, who gave him, quote, that Chinese shit. Um which is basically uh, the whole point is he gets a uh, a drug injected in his system that blocks his uh, 
what, like pituitary gland or something or is adrenal gland? It, it blocks your adrenaline so that you slowly just die. Yeah. And uh, this is explained to him over his Nokia cell phone um, by a sketchy street doctor. Um, well, while he's while he's position. while he's driving through a uh, shopping mall. Dri- exactly. Being he's chased driving by the police. Through a shopping mall being chased by the police. That's probably the best part. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like and then the rest of the movie is basically just him. It's basically a revenge thriller. If it was made by the team Red Bull production crew. I mean, someone on Letterboxd described it as the two worst mo- people you knew in film school decided to get together and make a movie, but it actually rules. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, <this. laughs> I, I like that review. I also like this is a better remake of Speed with Statham being the bus. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think those are both very fair reviews. Like, I don't know. What was what's your favorite? Uh, like, obviously, he gets his revenge at the end um, because that's how it works. He There's also this great scene where at the end, you know, spoiler alert on a 15 year old movie that doesn't have a plot. Um, he uh, gives his oblivious girlfriend a call uh, That's, while he is the, falling out of a helicopter. Everything <laughs> involving Amy Smart in this movie is the best is the best it's part. So dude. good. Because like the part where where they're like walking out of the apartment and <laughs> and he and he's like uh and he's like killing people, but she's like oblivious to it. And like he, he just like she pours all the, all the time. Apparently <laughs> he just pours all the stuff out of her purse onto the ground, like right in front of her. And then she's like, Oh no. And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's, so funny. Yeah. It's, so. it's, I, those are the moments where, um, cause Amy sparks the character, uh, Eve, um, Eve is the character who literally like follows him to figure out what he's actually doing after he like breaks up with her. Cause he has to take a trip without her. Um, Cause he lied about being an assassin of course, and told her he was a video game developer or something. And I, uh, so she like follows him to make sure and ends up getting caught up in this whole assassin thing. And uh, basically she's like, it sounded like to a plot to a stupid movie. And it's like, okay, the moment that the movie confirms that it is fully self-aware. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. They know exactly what they were doing. Um, uh, okay, what's your favorite stupid sequence? I don't know. Uh, okay, when he when he just he's so he just starts doing more and more crazy things <laughs> to try to get his adrenaline going. Um, he, I think my favorite part is when he's in that uh, he goes through the Mex- he's trying to find the the guy who killed him. He's in the Mexican restaurant and the guy oh, the brother. Um, and the brother, he goes through and he's like knocking stuff over. And, the, you know, the guy goes to call the police and the brother's like, no, I got this. <laughs> he goes, yes. he, take, he takes him, to, he goes behind them and he just, he, the guy walks out the door with his arm hold held out holding a gun and he just chops it off with a butcher's cleaver. And then, <laughs> and then they get, they get in a fight and the guy punches the ground with his arm stump. And then of course, <laughs> at that point, Chev Chelios kind of takes over the fight. But at the end of the fight, he's got a friend who's like a, um, a crossdresser uh Kalo or whatever and the the uh by the way if you are a person who non-gender non-gender conforming person uh yes this 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 person though Kalo they um they uh they attack the during the fight they attack someone with a with a rolling pin to like try to distract them for Chev anyway uh at the end of the fight (laughs) Chelios blows the guy's brains out and then he throws the hand at the at his friend and just goes what does he say he says uh oh do you do you, do you, do you want to hold hands? Yes. 
So it's, stupid. Because he shoots the guy with the gun with his and it's, with his uh, dismembered hand still on the gun because he doesn't have time to take the hand off the gun to shoot the guy. And it's the guy the guy who the guy who's his friend is Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite, by the Which way. Which is delightful. Yeah. Um <laughs> and yeah, this this movie, like, there's a part where he uh throws a, a uh cab driver on the ground and yells Al Qaeda. Uh he, he, tr- he tries to he tries to headbang to like a really song you shouldn't headbang to. I can't remember what it is now. I can't remember. Uh, it, was, it was something very like smooth jazzy. Um, uh, it's uh wait, let me see. Uh, oh, achy breaky heart. That's it. <laughs> yeah. The music in this movie is, is crazy. The whole movie it's, is it's, it's um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just, if it, it, it doesn't try to be a great movie. It is a collection of really interesting um, setups with just enough premise to sting it all together. And it's under 90 minutes because it knows it needs to be. I will say this. This movie is like a two and a half or a three that could easily be a four or a four and a half if it just tried to if it organized a little better and tried to say anything. But this movie's not trying to say anything. It's just like. <laughs> it just like exists. Yeah, to put it. yeah it, it really is like. If a edgy 13 year old wrote a script in 2006 and then handed off to somebody who like turned it into the best version of what it could be and then made that movie. You know, these same guys made mom and mom and dad. And I feel like it's <laughs> That's su- a weird movie. I feel like it suffered from the same thing that this movie does, which is like um, it's it. it it like could have done more with the, with the, with what was going on. And I think crank could crank could legitimately have been like a upgrade. Yes. It could have been upgrade or a movie that has like a more of a point of view. This movie rules though. I mean, when he's just like drug seeking and like <laughs> when he holds up the gas public, station, when he steals the, the motorcycle from the cop and then <laughs> the cops like hanging off the back of it and stuff. And then he, uh, he's standing on top of the motorcycle trying to get his adrenaline going. And then he like passes out. So he crashes into a cafe. I mean, this, this movie's just like got like some absurd things going on. And I don't, yeah, it has things that are done in poor taste. It's moderately offensive on many levels and it's, I don't know. It's, it's trashy. It's incredibly trashy and right. fun. I think if you like like action movies and you don't mind it just being if you want to see just like an insane action movie, this movie is real acceptable. It's a <laughs> it's super dumb. It's a solid it's not, use of 90 minutes. <laughs> it's not John Wick. It's not Desperado. It's not nobody. Um, it's more, uh, I don't know, like a more extreme bad boys, too. <laughs> <laughs> Without pacing issues. Right. Exactly. More extreme. They, they, right, it's like bad boys two to taken to 11. Uh, okay. Anything else you want to say about this movie? I don't think I need to. All right. For uh, Kevin, for me, for the ghost of Eric, we'll see you next week. Go Hawks.